Today, I have a very special show for my listening audience. You get not one, but two candidates for president in the 2024 race. Now, what could bring candidates for president together? Well, it's Humanity for Peace. And so I have the event organizers and some of the panel joining me on the show. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, Bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. I'm your host, Greg Bolden, here on the America Out Loud Network. Today, I have a special show for you. We're going to be talking about humanity for peace. Now, back in February, I had the opportunity to go down to Washington, D.C., where I met some individuals that were working for peace through the Rage Against the War Machine rally. And now there is a new rally happening, Humanity for Peace, talking about how if we don't act now, the world is dangerously close to nuclear war. And so I brought on two of the uh, event organizers, Anastasia Battle, as well as Dr. Mavrikakis, who's been on my show before, you may recognize her. And we're going to find out a little bit more about this, as well as we have some great panelists today on the show that are going to be speakers the day of. We have two presidential candidates, one for the Libertarian Party, Mike Termott. We also have the Republican candidate, Aaron Day, on the show. And we're also going to hear from Jose Vega, who is never afraid to mix up for a good time at a conference, a rally, and anything else. I really respect this guy. Can't wait to hear from him. Well, let's start off. Anastasia and Dr. Mav, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good Thank to be here. Thank you. So tell me what you're organizing. Tell us what's going on. What are we doing uh, here coming up on August 6th? Well, it actually, it, it happened after, man, we've been putting together this International Peace Coalition. This is a, a grouping of people of all spectrum on the political spectrum, libertarians, <coughs> communists, uh, religions of different countries. And Irene and other members of the Rage Against the War Machine are also part of this, which uh, I'm, I'm a member of the Schiller Institute. And we've been you know, really pushing this for a little while. Anyway, it's grown. We've got something like 80 or 90 people who have come through this process representing 20 to 30 different organizations, sometimes representing whole coalitions like Rage Against the War Machine. <laughs> um, so this has been a very exciting process and the idea of this was if we're going to if we're actually going to stop nuclear war and defeat the enemy that we're we're seeing right now as in NATO the United States deep state you know what you're seeing with this it's really it's empire if you really want to come it's old mm -hmm. is old empire then we have to combine our forces we have to collaborate together and to say i don't care i don't care what walk of life you're from we're all going to die so if we don't work together now, then we will never get the chance to fight about anything later in the future. <laughs> so this has actually been a really fun process because it's actually because of the love mm. that everybody has for humanity, that that's actually what's making this such a potent thing. People are fighting with their own groups. They're fighting with their friends and family. Like I personally have been fighting with um, some of these peace groups, which to be per perfectly honest, you know, the, the peace movement has been dead. What right. the hell are they doing? They don't, they won't even work with each other. I was in Germany, these peace groups, there's like thousands of, of these, these different, you know, people and organizations running around and they won't even talk to each other and they say the exact same thing. So let alone the people who actually do, you know, are, are different, you know, you, you got, it's, it's just terrible. So we, we made a commitment as a grouping that we were going to do something different. And uh, it was really inspiring what the Rage Against the War Machine organizers did in bringing the Libertarian and the People's Party together. Yes. So we're taking that passion and really spreading it 
worldwide um, and, and collaborating with all sorts of people. And that's really where this idea came out of, of Humanity for Peace, that um, we're going to do this not just in the United States, but everywhere. And it's happening. I said Saturday at the beginning there I was introducing. It's happening on Sunday, which is really important because it's August 6th, which is the 78th anniversary yes. of the nuclear bombing of Hiroshima. And so that is a, a perfect day to really raise awareness about how things are escalating with Russia, the Ukraine, the way the United States has been kind of having a proxy war against Russia. And uh, I'm just kind of curious, you know, when you're thinking about how to bridge the gaps between Democrat parties, Republican parties, Libertarian parties, People Party, what's going into trying to uh, bring everybody under one umbrella? What, what have you heard from the speakers and the individuals that are getting them excited about the message of peace? Because it's truly an awesome thing to see all these parties come together for it. You know, it actually has been a wonderful experience and it doesn't seem to be as hard as I thought it was going to be. I know that sounds really funny. I just think people are tired of the duopoly. I think they're tired of the false narrative and a lot of groups, surprisingly, even to me a few months ago, are anti-imperialist, anti-war and also tired of the duopoly. And so it's been a wonderful experience to help people move along to understand that what unites us is far greater than what divides us. And so it's not just this rally because this coalition is uniting all of the different groups across the political spectrum that will push forward into elections nationally and internationally. So there's human action tied to this coalition and I think that it's going to be really an historic event and a historic coalition because we all are bonded by the fact that we really do believe that the whole narrative of the world has to change. So, and we just need to all remember that all wars are started with what? Myths and misunderstandings propagated by lies by the governments and the media. And once you get to that point, then we can all push forward together. So it's a wonderful experience and everybody is committed and we all really get along really well, seriously. And so Dr. Mavrikakis, who you're just hearing from, uh, she's returning to the show. She's also behind Liberty Speaks, which is a movement to try to unite and educate people about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which is one of the tenets of my show. I talk a lot about the libertarian principles, uh, the Constitution is there to protect our life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. They're not constitutional rights. They're our rights, our property. And so uh, she's doing some great work through that as well. So this thing on August 6th, you have some demands on your press release. And I want to go through that here. Um, it talks about at the end of all this, you would like the immediate ending of all funding and weapons to the Ukraine. I can get behind that 100%. Sounds awesome. Uh, convene immediate unconditional peace talks. I've been talking about that on my show nonstop, and I don't understand why that's a dirty thing or why we have to allow China to be the country that's leading the way asking for that. Number three is the dissolution of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO. I'm 100% behind that as well. You know, I think Mike Termont was on my show and he said, we honor everything that we said we're going to do. And then we don't make any additional agreements and we find our way out. And I agreed with them 100% on that. And then number four was a new international security architecture must be created to end the division of the world into blocks, eliminating geopolitics. The new architecture must take into account the security concerns of every sovereign nation, large and or small. I want to know more about that. Mm. That was a demand that I was like, oh, this is interesting. And so <laughs> from an organizer standpoint, I wasn't sure if one of you want to talk about it or we can open this up to our panel as well. Yeah, let me let me uh, just bring up that because what we're part of, like I was mentioning, this is an international process. And a lot of Americans don't know what's happening with the global south or the BRICS. They don't know that there's actually a mass movement happening in the world to end imperialism right now. And um, a good example of this is this Africa summit that just happened in Russia, where, oh my God, I, I mean, I actually started crying with some of the, um, the speeches that came out of it, you know, Eritrea, 
you know, just demanding that they have the right to develop, they have the right to do these things. I mean, how long have these countries been put in a situation where they're pit against each other? You know, these these wars, Eritrea and Ethiopia, you know, or, or even like you could say Israel and Palestine, you could say, you know, Iran, Iraq, I mean, all these countries. So how do you stop that? That's what we're taking up. And this idea um, has been a growing idea amongst the, the nations and the BRICS that we have to end geopolitics somehow. And the only way you're gonna do that is by convening nations to sit down and work out their problems. And there's an example of this, which was um, called the Treaty of Westphalia. And this was the creation of the first sovereign nation states in Europe. And that's really what we have to do. We have to do that now. We've been faced with years and years and years and years of war. Everybody hates each other and has a reason to hate each other. And if we don't come to the table and actually have a mature conversation, right? Something which really is superseding above all these, I mean, it could, the UN, I mean, what the hell are they gonna, I mean, they're, they're so controlled by so much right now. You know, NATO, you know, all these different things. How do you, you have to have this conversation or else if it's not Ukraine, it's gonna be Taiwan. It's gonna be Hong Kong. It's gonna be whatever. It's gonna be something else and it's never gonna stop. And we're gonna constantly be facing the threat of thermonuclear war. A lot of people may not be aware. Uh, I talk about this on my show. The two things that I see, and you mentioned one of them, that's really threatening our sovereign state that we could have in the future as well, is BRICS uh, looking at completely destabilizing the world's currency. Right now, they're talking about getting a gold-backed currency. Uh, we've talked about that on the show. I've had guests uh, speak about that. And then we have the central bank digital currency. And I can't help but wonder if when we're seeing the war in the Ukraine and the millions and billions of dollars that are being put to help fund a war by proxy, if it's not all part of one financial scheme in order to lead us into a spot where no one's sovereign, you know, really seeing an agenda in the world uh, where there are some people. So I guess some people that are looking to control everything. So what I'm trying to get at is with this group here, we're looking at respecting that people have our borders, uh, all countries, that people should be respected, that we should end the fact that at this point in life, we should be like, oh, that land's mine. I need to go invade that and cause unending death for people. That's not right either. I think we all agree upon that. But why is it we have detractors from this movement, other peace groups that don't want to be a part of it, or people that call this uh, communist sympathizers with Russia? I mean, I was there in Washington, D.C., and I saw these bad actors show up when Tulsi Gabbard started speaking and raise the flag and then lower it when she was done, just so it would show up on the mainstream news. Like, who is it that doesn't want peace? I, I've been very frustrated about this. Like, why is it we can't all come together for peace? It, it has to frustrate you as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Irene, maybe maybe you'd want to say something on that, but um I, I think what it is, is people's commitment to failure. They don't actually want peace. They don't think they, they can win. And we think we can win. We yes. think we actually can defeat this. And yes, Greg, think... uh, there is a, an answer to your, to your question. You know, who, who is it that doesn't want peace? I think that there are very powerful organizations and institutions that have, uh, if not an interest in war, uh, certainly a mixed bag of interests, right? Yep. Uh, one might argue that the Defense Department of the United States uh, federal government is an organization that, uh, you know, four days out of seven, peace looks pretty good to them. Uh, but on the other days, uh, the alternative is not so bad either. I think that the United States government has become quite comfortable with the idea you and I might disagree. I firmly disagree. But I think the government has become quite comfortable with the idea that it's in the American citizen's interest to project military power around the world for the sake of, as the government is uh, off to say, uh, stability, uh, when we really know that what they're most after is control, because they believe that anyone else 
able to project even regional power, even the, the Russians exerting influence in uh, Europe or China in Asia uh, leads to some sense of a loss of control and then what our government calls uh, instability. And these are things that uh, we as American citizens have been fed for a couple of generations now. The idea that we need to project power for no reason other than control. And I think this is at the heart of the problematic nature of the United States foreign policy. And therefore, other nations, other powerful nations, uh, foreign policy in reaction uh, to that. And so I think that there are answers to your questions that are quite specific. Sometimes you have to be able to look in the mirror and say, you know, we're, we're a big part of the problem. You know, Mike, sometimes well, I ask rhetorical questions because I know you're going to answer exactly what I figure you're going to answer. And that's one of them. I know the military industrial complex, there is big money in war. Um, during the last president, uh, Donald Trump, we were not nearly as involved in foreign entanglements and drone bombings as we were underneath George Bush and Obama. And so in some respects, I think they're like, let's catch up. We have billions that we need to spend to spread freedom and liberty and democracy. But you and I both know that anytime we get involved in entangled foreign, then it has blowback. Ron Paul used to talk about this principle of blowback on our uh, foreign policy here in the United States. And one of the things I don't hear either side talking about on the Republican or Democrats in the media, and what's so important about this and what's happening on August 6th, is we need to start talking about we're fighting a war by proxy through funding the Ukraine. This isn't about saying that what Vladimir Putin did was okay and he started this war and we're supporting him. This is simply saying that this has got to stop, that people have to respect the borders and we have to as well not fight wars by proxy because eventually it's going to make us less safe. Um, I, I see we got uh, Aaron Day. Aaron Day is also coming on to the show. He's coming on for the very first time to America Emboldened. He is running for president uh, in the primary for the Republican Party. Uh, so, Aaron Day, welcome to the show. I'd like you to jump in on this. Well, thank you for having me. I was going to just take a step back to, to the earlier question as to who wants war. And we really do have a uniparty, uh, but the uniparty isn't Republicans and Democrats. It's bankers and the military industrial complex. Uh We've actually spent $7.2 trillion on defense spending just since 9-11. So to put that in context, that we've spent $7.2 trillion versus you know, all of World War II was $288 billion. So the military industrial complex is absolutely thriving. And if you look back throughout history, bankers have been on both sides of war and have often been involved in fomenting war and providing misinformation to the other side to each to each side in the conflict to accelerate the war effort and this goes all the way back to the napoleonic wars to modern days and i think it's really interesting on the political front yet you've we've heard recently uh, about the idea of there being an independent candidate and people have floated Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, is a potential candidate. And J.P. Morgan Chase is one of the biggest beneficiaries of floating uh, bond offerings for the Ukraine war, as well as previously for the for the Iraq war. So um, there is obviously a direct conflict of interest there. But but the bankers and the military industrial complex are controlling the show to the point where you can watch mainstream news now, which I actually don't. But I, I've seen the I've seen the clips of it where you'll see these shows, Anderson Cooper or Meet the Press or whatever, and they're sponsored by Northrop Grumman. They're sponsored by defense contractors. I mean, why would why would these defense contractors be involved? Well, they're obviously shaping the narrative. They're trying to do everything that they can to urge war and get people excited about war. And so, I, you know, my personal approach running as a Republican is I don't think we have until the 2024 election. To me, this isn't a what is the next president going to do? How are we going to get to the next election. And I actually think I've been promoting a, I'm wearing a shirt, but it says bank run now, which is a uh, halt CBDCs, stop World War Three and end the Fed, that that's actually the best form of protest that we have is by getting out of the fiat dollar and moving into self custody alternatives, we can actually starve the uh, the war machine. So that's actually my that's the number one reason that I'm running is to actually elevate that particular issue as a mass radical noncompliance movement that everybody can be involved in. 
So, I mean, I, I support ending the Fed as well. You guys are all speaking my language. This is great. And I always said that the Federal Reserve was one of the most unconstitutional things that we could have ever have done. And now look at it with CBDCs, uh, you know, when, when they get to the digital currency, game over for uh, your rights and priv- privileges. It's going to be all that we have left. Uh, so I'm right there with you, Aaron. Um, I guess here's something my, my listeners may want to know more about too. I, I want to get to why is it that you guys all believe that nuclear war is almost inevitable, that we are on the cusp of it, but yet I know the rest of my listeners gonna be like, well, I'm not hearing about that elsewhere. Um, they've heard about it through me, but they haven't heard it through other podcasts. They're not hearing about it um, in kind of the mainstream news by any means. So what are some warning signs that you're seeing that tells us that we need to address this immediately or else there's no turning back? Greg, I like I can the way answer you- that, Greg, if you, if you don't mind. Yeah. Hi. So oh, sure. Jose, me, Vega- Jose, Jose Vega is coming on right now, everybody. Um, so just want to introduce you to Jose. Hello. Yeah. I think I can speak on this a little bit as somebody who's been raising the alarm on the fact that we're all going to die from a nuclear war if people don't get off their butts and actually do something. And speaking of getting off your butt and actually do something, you know, I'm out here with my friends passing out leaflets for the rally. It's a little hard to position the camera there. But, you know, and then we've got people over there on the other side also. We're in front of Lincoln Center here. What we're doing is we're handing out leaflets for the rally and the concert that we're having on August 6th. See, it doesn't take much to understand why we're on the verge of nuclear war from the fact that people like Scott Ritter have been saying that there has been no communication with Putin for about a year now. Okay, and the fact that there have been many, many close calls already, despite the fact that like we are there have been more close calls now than there were when Reagan was president. Right. When we actually had a hotline between the United States and Russia, right? And during the 80s, there were many close calls that the American public never even heard about to where the order was given, but it was stopped somewhere up on the chain of command. You are at that point right now where any small misstep being, whether it's uh, misunderstood, whether it's convoluted as a way to say, "Uh uh-oh, they're bringing in nuclear tip whatevers. We have to now level the playing field by bringing in our own nuclear weapons, which they have absolutely tipped the scales towards, whether it's the uranium shells, whether it's the fact that there were provocations at a nuclear power plant at Zaporozhia. That's what has been leading towards an all-out nuclear war. And people say, well, it's a good thing we have nuclear bombs because deterrence, right? But in principle, even people who believe in deterrence know for a fact that if you drop a bomb, that's it for humanity. Everyone dies. So in principle, people who are for deterrence don't believe a nuclear bomb should be dropped. So I just want to end this off. You know, I'm going to keep hitting the pavement here with my friends for the leafleting. People should join us on August 6th. We can keep talking about the prom. That's no problem. But you got to walk the walk, too. You know, you got to let other people know. Not everybody's listening to your wonderful podcast, Greg. People should be, but they're not. Where are they? You know, they're listening to Bon Jovi or something on their headphones as they're walking to and from work, right? You got to come and interrupt their workflow, their morning oat latte coffee with a leaflet and say, here, you're going to die unless you come to this freaking rally and do something about it. So that's what we're out here doing. So I just want to thank you for having me. You got a wonderful panel. I can't wait to see this once it's uh, up. So thanks. Jose, thanks for being here. And for my listeners, in case you don't know who Jose Vega is, make sure you go on to Twitter, check out some of his videos. Jose has been going and disrupting for truth now for at least a year that I'm aware of. I'm sure he's been doing it longer. Uh, He's a friend of Diane Sayers, who's been on my show as well before. Um, But Jose is getting himself into good old trouble and doing it in the best way possible. And he is one of the most American individuals that I can think of right now that is doing exactly what the framers would want in the constitution to say, this crap can't fly anymore. You can't stop ignoring things. You got to address it head on. So Jose, I'm honored that, you know, you 
took some time to be on the show, but even more so, I'm happy that you're part of this movement because I know your passion and I respect it. And I'm just wish the best for you as well. And thank you for working tirelessly for Americans. Thank you, brother. That's real patriotism right there. I'm going to jump off now. Take care. Take care, Jose. Bye, Jose. Mike, uh, you, you were going to jump in on that question right before uh, Jose did. Go ahead. Uh, I, I do want to jump in on that, but uh, I do think there's a couple of things even more important to say real quick. First of all, uh, I feel your pain. I'm really sorry that, uh, look, that guy, Jose, he's on fire. He's a beast. You got to love him. But I'm really sorry that he said that somebody might choose to listen to Bon Jovi instead of you. I know that had to hurt. And I just want you to know that nobody thinks that's true. Okay. No, I'll be there for you. These five words, I swear to you, I'll be there for you. I, I got it. There, there you go. Uh, the other thing that needs to be said is that I know that uh, you have already been introduced to uh, Irene Mavrakakis, and uh, I feel your pain there, too. Uh, to know Irene is to get involved in major projects in a way that, that you had uh, resisted earlier. Uh, she has forced me to get to know uh, socialists and communists that I thought I would want to punch in the face, and I learned otherwise. She has forced me to get to know uh, the, the People's Party. Uh, she brought me to a 40-minute luncheon that lasted six hours one day. And at the end of it, you know, not only do you want to not punch Irene in the face, uh, but you want to work for her. And that's a, a real liability to know someone like her. So uh, I feel your pain in the future. You're going to be uh, working real hard on these projects. This is this is not the first one I've been involved with. She helped put together, as you all know, the Rage Against the War Machine rally. The Libertarian Party was involved. Uh, in, in that case, uh, she told me either I had to work my ass off to help her or give her money. Uh, turns out I had to do both, which was a real problem. Uh, but uh, I, am, I am in recovery. The, the one thing that I wanted to say on a more serious note regarding uh, nuclear war, there are a couple of things that have let there are any number of things we could spend the rest of the day talking about reasons why we're closer to nuclear war than we have been in the, in the past at certain times but uh it's important to keep in mind that there are both geopolitical forces and in my view technological forces that have contributed to the problem today so for example uh I, just to pick an example out of each one of those uh, two buckets the escalation of the power of conventional warfare has been so dramatic, uh, whether you include, uh, you know, the equivalent TNT tonnage that is delivered by conventional weapons, or uh, you look at uh, the effectiveness of drones, you look at the effectiveness of cyber warfare, all of these contribute toward, at one point or another, backing into a corner some foreign leader, whether that's uh, Vladimir Putin, of whom uh, no one should be a fan, uh, or, or any other foreign leader, feeling like he or potentially she, less likely, uh, has very few options. And the development of what both Americans and Russians have started to call tactical nuclear weapons means that the gap between conventional warfare and nuclear warfare is much smaller than ever before. And it, it, it creates this environment in which people consider it almost palatable uh, to flip from conventional to nuclear warfare, which I think is exceedingly uh, dangerous. And on the geopolitical front, the, the, the extent to which the American military now projects such dominant uh, hegemony around the world is such that other powers have got to feel like, uh, you know, conventional warfare is just no smart way to stand up to, uh, to the American Defense Department. And we can argue that round or square, but no one can argue that that is completely uh, irrational. And for this reason, I fear, for example, what happens in Taiwan. Uh, I fear that at some point the Chinese say, you know what, this is a problem of your making. You should have stayed out of 
uh, our neck of the woods. And, uh, you know, whatever happens next is is your fault and your responsibility. And again, you can argue that round or square, but I, I do believe that the the unilateral dominance that the United States tries to project is actually a contributing factor to the danger of nuclear war. Mike, uh, well put together thoughts there. You know, Taiwan, I'm reminded of some military that have reached out to me that we are currently bringing forces to South Korea and we're building up there for an engagement possibly with Taiwan. And we don't hear nearly enough about that, but that's one of the reasons why I believe that gentleman defected into North Korea recently, because there's a lot of people being pulled over from the United States right now being created as active military into that region. We need to take a break uh, here to hear a word from our sponsors. But when we come back, I want to talk about the different speakers that are going to be there, as well as what we can expect to hear from both you, Mike, as well as from Aaron uh, at the rally and uh, talk a little bit more about that. And uh, anyway, it's going to be this Sunday. I just want to remind everybody 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the United Nations building. That's where you can uh, go to attend. Uh, I highly recommend that you be there. It's going to be for peace. Who doesn't like that? So if you're not there, I'm just going to assume you're not for peace and then you're not my friend. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break from our sponsors. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. America Out Loud News was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Welcome back, Bold American, second half of the show. We are having a good time here with wonderful people for peace, humanity for peace. We've had Anastasia speaking with us, Dr. Mav Rikakis, Mike Termot, and Aaron Day. And we already had Jose Vega. He's kind of peaced out on us for the rest of the show, but uh, important voice and glad to have him. So in Humanity for Peace and bringing all these people across from the United Nations building on Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m., the reason why this is necessary is we are flawed as human beings. We're flawed because we have failed to evolve from this conquer type of attitude that some of us have. And we are um, really just, we need a paradigm shift. We need the ability to see the world through a gentler lens. You know, I, I look in America and we have people fighting over the stupidest things. We have Republicans that say, well, the Democrats can't do anything good. We have Democrats say Republicans can't do anything good. And they're both right. No, I'm kidding. Um, but within all that, we ignore the fact that there's really good people on the other side of those views. And that even within those parties, they don't agree with one another. And that is a good microcosm for where we are in this world with world leaders. It's people that have little disputes about, well, I think that, you know, 
cherry flavored soda is the best. I think regular soda is the best. I, I just like water. It's stupid arguments that have led us to the tribalism and have led us to globalism of wanting to conquest over top of people. So what you guys are doing is amazing. You're bringing together people from all parties, just as you did at the Rage Against the War Machine. It's going to be people that are Republicans, people that are Democrats, people that are libertarian, people that might be communist, people that might be socialist. It doesn't matter. If you're human and you want what's good for other people, then that is why you should be there. You should be there to unite. Aaron, tell me about, you know, you're going to be running for president here. You are running for president here in the Republican Party. How important is it right now for this country to unite in the fact that we are having human experiences and not political experiences? Well, I think it's incredibly important. I think you highlighted a, a great point, which is that the political machine in the media is really designed and structured to engineer these polarity contests to get people to take whatever the issue is of the day and pick a side on it and then flip from topic to topic. Nothing ever gets resolved. It's let's just manufacture as much outrage as we can and go from outrage to outrage. Why? Because it drives views and it drives anger. But I think that we share much more in common than, than these little polarity contests would indicate. And I think, as you mentioned, I think the majority of people actually want peace. Unfortunately, it is the military industrial complex and, and the banks and others that are, that are funding the media uh, and are funding a lot of, of what we see through Hollywood and what we view on the internet. And so I think we can come together around peace. And I think that we can come together around one thing that I think we've seen as being very effective in the last several months are the, is the effectiveness of boycotts. And not that I necessarily agree with the boycotts that have taken place. I, I don't drink beer. Frankly, I'm not concerned about who's advertising beer. I'm not concerned about necessarily the, the children's clothing at Target. But, but what that highlighted is that boycotts actually are, do work and they are very effective. And I think one of the things that I'm going to highlight in, in, in my speech when we talk about this is, is the unity and, and our ability to come together, not only on the push for peace, but on the fact that I think we're all used to being taken advantage of by banks. And I think we can also put the pieces together that the banks are driving a lot of this war effort. And so we can come together and kind of boycott the banks as a way to make a stand and to, and to stop funding the war apparatus. Yeah, the banks are definitely uh, behind much of what's going on. We, there's a huge investigation right now against BlackRock. BlackRock apparently has $9 billion that is being funded. Trillion. Not $9 trillion. Yeah, I, I missed the zero. That's yeah. a big zero to miss. Um, $9 trillion that's being funded that could be influencing this war as well. Um, and they are buying up property all over the United States. They're in bed with China. Uh, they are entangled in the industrial war machine. And so when you have places like BlackRock, you have Vanguard, uh, that is also uh, getting in the way of us having a human experience. Because when you put money and greed in front of human beings, bad things happen. Uh, we know that. Uh, Dr. Mav, during the break, you were kind of talking a little about the need to evolve Tell me about this team of individuals that you're, you've put together as you're organizing and how they're coming together uh, for the betterment of humanity. Tell me about some of the individuals you've been working with. Uh, I've had the pleasure and of working with some amazing people, including Anastasia and TJ, our webmaster, and all these wonderful people from the Schiller Institute and all the other organizations. And I'm gonna have the audacity to psychoanalyze the world, okay? You know, one of the most effective therapies is cognitive behavioral therapy. And one of the tenets of that is insight. And what I want people to realize is that they need to have insight into their own behaviors. We have these innate tribalistic tendencies and these innate tendencies to kill, right? And we fight against them. And so people pick 
Democrat, Republican, um, this rights movement, that rights movement. And then the military industrial complex, the pharmaceutical industrial complex, the food industrial complex, the mainstream media, the people that are on the elite side of things that have major control of what actually goes on, take advantage of our tribalistic tendencies and split us into us versus them, good versus evil. And once you split us into us versus them, good versus evil, they divide and conquer. And so people need to realize that you are a human being first and that you need life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That what do you really want? Food, water, shelter, love, community, companionship, purpose. All of this other stuff is bullshit. So we need to educate and elevate people to have insight into why they feel these tribalistic tendencies, which are part of human nature, and rise above that and realize that we are being propagandized into being divided and conquered. That is what people need to realize. So it's education and also empowerment. Do you know how many people told me I couldn't do the last 10 things I did this year? <laughs> I don't care. And I do them, including Mike. And I say, okay, Mike, we'll get past it. And he was just telling you, because, you know, if you don't try, then what purpose do you serve? You know, a lot of people talk a lot and there's very few people that do. And that's why I'm so blessed to have Anastasia and Mike and Aaron and you, because you guys do. So you need to surround yourself with people that do. And then the rest of the people can still argue on Twitter. Okay. But we do not have to be divided by any ideas. This event has people from across the spectrum. It's at one to four at the United Nations. And then, because it's so beautiful, of course, we're having a free concert, a Mozart concert at a Unitarian church, because why not? Because that's beautiful. And everybody should come. And everybody should not say to me that this rally is just another rally, because this coalition is so incredibly strong and will push forth to make a difference in the real world. That's what is important to me. And that's what I want people to know. Be empowered and look at your world a little bit differently. Get out of your own bubble. And also, if you disagree with someone, that is actually okay. That's what an opinion is. Everybody has a right to an opinion, but don't hate them. Like, why would you do that? Again, because people have these tribalistic tendencies, but we have to evolve. We have to break free of the bonds of this tribalistic tendencies and be better than that. And we can because I've met hundreds of people that are now doing that and probably thousands and millions across the world. So we can do it. We can be empowered. And I just want people to be hopeful because we are people that can make differences. I love the word hopeful. We need so much more hope in this world right now. In a world of uh, manufactured outrage, there's not a lot of hope. Um, in, in When you turn on your television or Netflix or all these shows, it's all drama, not a lot of hope for the future. And so I, I love that part of the message. I, I also want to tell people that while the main event is going to be happening in New York City, outside the United Nations Center in this park, there's going to be miniature conferences going on all throughout the world, correct? Yes. Yeah, actually, we just had a bunch more that were added today. I had to update our sister rally press release. And let me just quickly tell you, uh, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six in Germany. We've got um, in Stockholm, Sweden. We have one in Guyana. We have a big one in London with uh, Nota NATO. Maybe you're familiar with Nota NATO. It's a sister organization with uh, Rage Against the War Machine. Mexico City, Mexico, Austria, two in France, Nigeria, Guatemala, uh, Guatemala, Chile, and Romania. And there's probably more that I don't even know about. People are still writing in and we can't keep up with everything <laughs> that's coming in. And that's global. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. And United States sister rallies as well, right, Anastasia? So we have yeah. a bunch of sister rallies. So if you don't yeah, live got, in the, the New York area, where else can people join in? So in California, we got one. We got 
Los Angeles, Eureka, Santa Cruz, and Sacramento. California's on fire, literally, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> it normally is. It normally is. <laughs> Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa, uh, Chicago, Illinois, Seattle, Washington, and Portland, Oregon. And there's probably others that um, I'm not familiar with. Oh, you know what? I forgot. There's two more in Texas. Shoot, I forgot to put this on here. There's two more in Texas, in uh, in Austin and um I'll have to find the Houston. other one. Austin and Houston. Yep. And if people can't leave their house, I made a comment before the break and, and Mike during the break properly, you know, he scolded me. He said, Greg, how dare you lose friends over them? Not going to New York. They can live stream this thing. And that's correct. They can go forth and they can live stream and uh, view it as well. Where can they find that link in order to do that? So the link to live stream to someone's platform, if you just email us at contact at humanityforpeace.net, we will give you that information if you want to live stream to your platform. We will be live streaming to the Schiller platform, the LaRouche platform, and Humanity for Peace website will have the live stream including uh, raw media and most likely coalition radio. So there's going to be a lot of live stream and we will provide updates on the website. But if you as an entity want to live stream, email us at contact at humanityforpeace.net. Of course, it's on the website, humanityforpeace.net. And we will set you up and we have the ability to live stream to multiple platforms, of course. But we will have it on the main website, and uh, that's where everybody should look for it there. Excellent. Now, the hashtag for this event is no more Hiroshima's, no more Nagasaki's. And I, I mentioned earlier in the show that the really important part of getting this date right and me mentioning that this is on Sunday, August 6th, is because it is the anniversary of the bombing of Hiroshima. And then just several days later, Nagasaki. I think we can forget because it's not in my lifetime. So I'm going to speak for myself. Um, it's easy for me to forget the atrocities that have happened in this world that I wasn't here to witness, but I do have something that I did witness. I lost a friend on September 11th. I lost a classmate. He worked at Cantor Fitzgerald and that stuck with me afterwards of the horror of that day, that there was an extinguishing of 3,200 lives that pales in comparison against what the United States did in dropping a nuclear weapon on a country, something that has a half-life where people couldn't live in the area for years, that has contaminated areas with radioactivity. You know, nuclear war goes beyond just the immediacy of what happens. It has real consequences to not just human life, but all life. And so when we talk about the importance of peace, August 6th is the absolute best day that you can be doing this because it should be never again. We shouldn't be having this conversation that a country ever even considered dropping a weapon like this because it has a global impact on all of us. So the speakers that you're bringing in for this they're all people that are very passionate about never again having this happen. Can you highlight for me? Obviously, we have Mike and we have Aaron right now. Can you highlight some of the other speakers that people can expect to hear from should they tune in online or go to New York City to be able to see this? Uh, yes. Oh. Anastasia, we'll, we'll take turns uh, probably. Uh, so Gerald Salente, uh, everybody probably knows a lot about him. He's the publisher of Trends and he is very outspoken um, for peace, also for truth as it relates to COVID mania tyranny. Um, incredibly passionate person. I had the pleasure of becoming friends with him at the Rage Against the War Machine rally. He's a diehard outspoken human for the betterment of our greater humanity. And we're so grateful that he's speaking. Uh, Anastasia? Scott Ritter, who was the UN weapons inspector in Iraq. Uh, Nick Brana, people know Nick Brana, very good friends with him. 
Um, I, you, I can just go through some of the list if you want, Irene. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jose Vega, who folks already met. Uh, Garland Nixon, who uh, people love Garland Nixon. He's such a wonderful person. I really enjoy enjoy his insights actually into politics because they're very unique. Yeah, he's been on the show as well before, and people really enjoyed him. So my yeah. my American Bolton audience knows him. Excellent. Keep going. We also have Amadou Diallo, who is the president and founder of the Yemen American League of Friends and Freedom. So we have a representative of Guyana who will be there. Uh, Reverend Terry Strong, she's the chairwoman of the Action and Global Concerns Committee for the National Church Women's United Organization. It's a, a large Christian organization. Uh, Jude Eli, he's a Haitian presidential candidate. He's running for the president of Haiti, which is very important given what the United States has done to Haiti. Yep. Um, and Malcolm Byrne, who is a Grammy award-winning record producer and, uh, and recording artist. He's a, a, also a, a uh, anti-war activist. So he's been very, very vocal, very, very open about, you know, denouncing what's been happening in the world. And we also have some surprises that will be coming up as well, which we have not <laughs> announced yet. Well, I'll ask you for those surprises when we're off the air. Maybe I can get a spoiler <laughs> alert for one or two. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, Mike, who's a libertarian 2024 presidential candidate and Aaron, who's a Republican 2024 presidential candidate. And so we demonstrate by these facts that this is truly a coalition and the speakers have been incredibly gracious and kind. And uh, we're very grateful. And I want to ask Mike and Aaron a question just a second, but I want to remind people of something that you said earlier that caught my attention. So immediately following this, uh, this peace rally, I'm going to use the word rally, um, there's going to be a concert. And it is something that I sang when I was in college. I got to sing Mozart's Requiem uh, my freshman year at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. There is not much that is more beautiful than Mozart's Requiem. Go. You will feel at peace listening to this in and of itself, you will feel that there is peace that is possible in the world. And so you also have uh, Maestro, and I might say the name wrong. Is it Ical? Is, do you know if that's if I'm saying his name correct? I actually correct? don't know how to pronounce his name. It's okay. uh, Turkish. Yes, uh, but he's from the El Paso, Texas Symphony Orchestra. He's a professor emeritus, as well as a former conductor uh, down there. Uh, so highly accomplished. It's also going to be world-class entertainment. And that's being held at the Unitarian Church of All Souls over on Lexington Avenue at East 80th Street in New York City. So you're going to want to head over there from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., grab yourself some food after the rally, and then go and stay for the concert. Um, I wish that was live stream because that's something that I really want to oh, check out. Oh, it will out. be. It is. Yes. Yes. Okay. See, this is marketing and I wasn't even trying the market for you. Like, there you go. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that's going to be live stream. I will be watching um, from my, uh, I will be on a beach, unfortunately on Sunday. I can't join you guys, um, but I will be watching that because that's phenomenal. Um, Mike and Aaron, you know, you're, you're both in a, uh, an interesting place right now in this country. We've got troubles. We have major, major troubles. You know, outside of the conversation that we're having today, if you look at what's happened in just my lifetime, the last four decades, we've gotten away from an understanding of a republic and moved over to democracy or even oligarchy. It's a, a ruling of people's feelings. And in all of that, there is something to be said about even this conversation in the Ukraine in the way it's mob mentality of support for the Ukraine. So I'm curious with what the, the political barometer is like in this country, when people go to New York City, what are you most looking forward to uh, sharing as far as a message? Don't give me your speech. I don't want you to ruin it before Sunday, but what can people expect to hear from you? And what do you think are things that are really important to highlight? And uh Mike, why don't you go first and Aaron, you go second that way. Sure. I appreciate that. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to correct uh, something. A, a lot of what has happened over the past generation 
has quite literally happened during your lifetime. And that, of course, is only the past 28 years. Oh, that's uh, well, that's so well, kind, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just just to reiterate uh, what is obvious to all of your viewers. Look, uh, you put your finger on something with regard to the political environment in the United States, because I think it speaks volumes of the difficulty that we face going forward. And some of the phenomena that that happen inside the United States have been happening around the world as well. We understand now where authoritarianism comes from in a democracy. It comes from the manipulation of citizens' fear. We have Republican and Democratic parties that no longer represent the political agenda that they used to, uh, as I said, relatively uh, recently. The number one objective of each party seems to be, uh, and I think a lot of politicians on both sides of the aisle would actually uh, admit to this, the number one objective is to keep the other side out of power. And when you have a politician who's willing to say to you, what you really have to fear is not the loss of your civil liberties, or in the case that we're discussing today, the loss of a foreign policy that does not align with your basic values. What you really have to worry about is that other idiot coming to power, and therefore I need more strength, more power, uh, more support, because I am here to save you. When both sides say that and abandon their political agenda, there is no longer an incentive for either side to do battle in the political arena of ideas. And this, I believe, is a major reason why the Republican Party is no longer fiscally conservative in a real sense. The Republican Party does not really have an interest in cutting back the amount of money spent on defense, for example, nor is the Democratic Party uh, the home to anyone uh, recently who is seriously anti-war who is seriously against the projection of military power around the world. With all due respect to Robert Kennedy Jr., and good for him uh, for speaking to some of these issues and getting a little bit of traction inside the Democratic Party, he is a fairly lone voice inside of, uh, of that party. And I think that all of this uh, is happening, not just in the United States, but around the world. You see growing authoritarianism, politicians, playing to the fears of their constituents, to their citizens, and doing so in a way that manipulates people into believing that there is fear not only from political adversaries inside the nation, but political adversaries outside of the nation. It is no secret, for example, that Vladimir Putin makes great hay out of the idea that you need to fear fill in the blank. Uh, the Ukrainians, uh, modern-day Nazis, the United States, Western Europe, the NATO alliance, uh, Western capitalists. These are fears that are all too easily uh, manipulated and manipulated in a way that uh, gets a lot more traction than it would have uh, 25 years ago. And I think that the rise of certain international organizations have taken advantage of some of these Certainly, the United States government takes advantage of, of these fears, and this makes uh, the political environment in which we operate very difficult uh, to gain traction. And I, I think it's important for everyone to remember that uh, being against war is not against uh, anything except for being against the political manipulation of your fear uh, it is true. Uh, Irene uh, put her finger on something very important. You guys were discussing tribalism, which, yes, anthropologically is something that is embedded in our history and our behavior and is something that we need to wrestle with. And we are not assisted by politicians who manipulate those feelings in order to maintain their own power. That's what leads to the situations that we're in uh, today. And Aaron. Well, I think the big thing that we face as a threat isn't even the polarity within the United States government, which I think is being manufactured actually at a global level. I think the fact that we're having this event in front of the UN is very appropriate because the biggest threat that we face, I'd say second to nuclear annihilation, is the emergence of one world global government, which 
I think has a, is the default setting for 2030 if we don't stop it. You mentioned central bank digital currencies. And again, this is why I always, you'll, you'll, I, I beat this drum constantly because I'm all about promoting kind of a bank run and people exiting the banks and moving into self-custody alternatives because not only are the banks promoting war, but this rush to central bank digital currency is happening at a fever pitch. I've actually just written a book called The Final Countdown Crypto, gold, and silver, and the people's last stand against tyranny by central bank digital currencies. And in that book, I outlined that basically the UN has been pushing, along with other global organizations, a technocracy, the idea of a government that is run by scientists and engineers picked by the elite. And if you want to understand what this form of government is, it looks like in practice, a Brave New World is a good place to start. Reread that book and ask yourself, well, what is the nature of the political system in a Brave New World? And what you'll find when you reread that book is there is no political system. There is no voting. There are no rights. Everything is, is done on a prescriptive basis. Everything is deterministic. Everything is designed by scientists. And I think that we're at the point right now where I don't think the election or the divisions in politics are going to solve this, but I think that we, the people, still retain all of the power. We have free will. We have the ability to control our own thoughts, our own emotions, and our own actions. And a group as diverse as the group that is coming together on Sunday does have shared values around wanting to avoid nuclear annihilation and does share shared values, I believe, I guess we'll find out around the fact that the banks have basically been screwing every group and have been the source for fomenting all of this war, death, and physical conflict. So, um, so you know, my message is that we have the power through individual action and that this whole political situation is being manipulated at different levels and we should just kind of exit that system and focus on what we can do as individuals through our own individual action and our collective individual action. There's a, something that's really good to point out there, Aaron. We don't think enough about the collective voice of manifestation of what happens in this world. You know, if <laughs> so much happens because people stay silent and yet so much happens because people band together as well. And so I'm really thankful for uh, you, you ladies and gentlemen for putting together these opportunities to collectively bring people back to a peace message. You know, when I was down in Washington, D.C. back in February, I was thinking this is what it was like for my parents in the 1960s to show up and say enough is enough. And I wondered where did that go during the time that I was born in the 70s through now? And it's so nice to see it alive and well. So I want to say thank you to all of you for being a part of this and for giving a voice and manifesting this into the world to hopefully make this a kinder, gentler place. It's appreciated. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Everyone, Greg. you can go to humanityforpeace.net where you can learn more about this event. Again, outside the United Nations building, uh, in the park just across the street from it from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. this coming Sunday, August 6th. You also have the opportunity to live stream it or attend one of those other many locations both around the world and in the United States where you can part of the sister rallies. And I encourage you to do that. It's important to meet up with individuals, get out of your home, get off the cell phone, see people, one another, become human beings, which means you're having a being experience, not a human doing experience. All right. So get together, do that, go to the concert, be a part of this. Uh, I'm passionate about, in case you haven't heard that in my voice, it's why when I found that the Dr. Mav was behind this. I was like, let's get you onto the show. Let's do this. Let me be a part of it too, because peace feels really good. It feels really good to have, you know, isn't that what every single child says when they're young? You know, what do you wish for? I wish for world peace. Well, this is an opportunity to move us just a little bit closer to it. Uh, so again, humanityforpeace.net. Also, be sure to follow the panel as well. You have Aaron Day, who's running for Republican candidate for president. You can find him on Twitter at Aaron R. Day. 
So make sure you give him a follow. And you also have Mike Termot, who's been on the show before, who is at Ter Mott Mike. I'm going to spell that for you, though. It's T-E-R-M-A-A-T-M-I-K-E. And then you can find the editor-in-chief over at the uh, Schiller Institute Anastasia Battle online and Dr. Mavrikakis as well. So give them a follow. Liberty Speaks. That's one of her organizations. They're doing great work, ladies and gentlemen. And I think that we've honored people's time well. Thank you to all of you for being a part of the show today. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. All right, everybody. That wraps up yet another show. I'll be back tomorrow with some more. Uh, hope that you enjoyed it and make sure you give all of them a follow and a like and hope to see you there either in spirit or in person in some way, shape or form. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. Uh-huh.